Good morning, afternoon, or evening, depending on when this finds you. Welcome as Minnesota United opens up training camp for the 2022 season. We are here in the locker room of Allianz Field. As we were saying, this is where we like to get together and just hang out. You know, it's a it's a comfy space, you know. So uh, I am here with both Cal Williams and Kendra D. St. Alban to catch you up on what's been happening this week uh, and what's going on uh, with your loons going forward. Things are getting started again. It seems like it was a very short offseason. Would you agree, Kendra? Well, I I would. It's funny because you ask all the players and stuff, at least the ones that probably didn't have to travel internationally, and they feel like it was too long, right? I mean, they feel like it sure. was too long for them. A couple weeks in, they're itching to get back and start playing against other guys and get another training regimen. I know Chase Gasper made that comment to the media this week, but for me, it just feels quick. You throw holidays in there, and before you know it, you're into January, and it's like the guys are reporting it's earlier this year. So it felt quick to me, but um, then when you get up to the training facility, like the, the energy is there, the excitement is there to get going with the season and, uh, and you know, maybe find some warmer weather somewhere. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Not in the bubble. Right. I mean, it's, it's certainly get, we're certainly getting started a lot earlier this season uh, than, than other seasons because of trying to pull everything back for the World Cup in the fall. Um, so, yeah, February, January, February in Minnesota – Maybe not the time to be playing soccer outside. Fortunately, there's a nice new dome up there. Um, I I just feel like I was in Portland for the you know the the, the final game of the season, which turned out to be that 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 playoff loss. Um, I felt like that was yesterday, Cal. I mean, I like it. That was just before Thanksgiving, right? So we're we're talking less than two months ago. Um, I needed I needed a month just to get over the hangover of the season, personally. So. Yeah, I, I could see that for sure. But I, I sort of tend to operate the opposing way, actually, and think that this off-season was probably about right, to be honest, because everything mm. else in, in Europe and, and throughout most other countries, it's about two months, really. Uh, and I kind of, I don't know about you guys, but I, I've been twiddling my thumbs so much, I've got no skin <laughs> left on my thumbs, you know, I'm just sort of ready to get going now. And it's just par for the course, really, across the rest of the world. Like, it's about two months, you know, so what was it, six to seven weeks? It, it, it felt about right. No doubt we could have all done with an extra couple of days here and sure. there. Sure, like we're never going to say no to that. But um, I, I thought it was about right, to be honest, and, and I'm certainly ready to get going again. And, and Kendra and I have been fortunate enough to be at training over the course of the last couple of days, and, and you certainly get that feeling, as, as Kay insinuated, that that seems to be the atmosphere across the entirety of the roster as well. Everyone seems to be ready to get going again. Yeah, Cal, what have, what have been your impressions sort of going, you know, I, I was I was there on Monday. That was the only day I could go, uh, which was obviously more of a sort of conditioning day. Um, it wasn't very intense. Uh, you know, everybody's just kind of getting up to speed. As I, as I believe we said that day, I would love to be as out of shape as these guys are <laughs> when they're out of shape in this situation. Um, but, What's what's been your impression? Uh, vibe has been good. It seems like Cal. yeah, vibe's been really good. Um, it seems as though the players, as I just said, are, are all of the same mindset and ready to get going. Now, I I've been surprised at how sharp a lot of individuals have looked. Not not everybody. There's still a couple of them without naming names that that are clearly in preseason modes. And, and I think the thing is now at the moment, Steve. Over the last couple of days, it's been a little bit. Um, unbalanced because there's still a lot of players that are set to come into the country. There's one or two individuals waiting on visas. There's a couple sure. that are undergoing COVID protocol. There's a couple international players that have other responsibilities away from Minnesota United. So um, it does feel slightly unbalanced at the moment, but but with the group that Adrian Heath has at the moment, I think he said to the press, was it it was either today or yesterday, that he's been very impressed with, with how sharp they all look. And, and I have to agree, they've all stuck to whatever the off-season plan was. Um, I certainly didn't stick to the off-season plan. Um, <laughs> I did stick my, to my off-season <laughs> <laughs> But it, it just seems as though everybody has come in really motivated and ready to go. I think, um, I, I know we're going to talk a little bit about the 
uh, the end of last season a little later on, but it feels as though because of the, the way it ended and, and the disappointing nature of it, it feels as though people have come in very motivated and very, very fit. Um, and, and that's obviously a good thing to, to start the preseason. Yeah, we're, uh, we're going to hear from Adrian in just a little bit about that. Uh, he's speaking specifically to some of those things, as you said, uh, Cal. But uh, Kendra, let's catch people up a little bit on sort of and on how that season ended. I mean, disappointingly, basically every season is a disappointment that doesn't end in a championship, right? It sort of feels like. But, you know, what, you know, for people who are maybe just joining us now, you know, where is Minnesota United sitting going into this 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 season after, you know, five seasons in, in MLS? Well, first of all, it's it's one of those things that you should be disappointed if you didn't end in a championship. And that's a good expectation to have. Sure. I think that's what the great teams do is they have this expectation that you don't just make the playoffs, you get far into the playoffs and the goal should be a final appearance. So I think the fact that that's the way the team felt, that's the way the club feels, um, the way the staff felt because of the, the quality of the roster. And yes, they were without Tyler. Miller in that last match of the season, but mm -hmm. Dane St. Clair is perfectly capable of stepping up in his starting role for, for the team in that in that spot. So I think the fact that there was a disappointment that um, it ended that way um, is a good thing because that means the expectations are high. But also I, I felt, I don't know, it felt like a weird weird ending for me really kind of hearkening back to those feelings of leaving the broadcast booth when we did the radio broadcast from Portland because that is not the, the quality of the team that we have seen and we had seen throughout the season, that was not their best performance. So I think there's also a bit of a gut punch when you go out and maybe felt like it was not your best performance and you lost. I do think Portland was the better team on the day. Mm -hmm. um, but that, you know, there was this big buildup with Reynoso versus Blanco and the two number 10s, you know, quote unquote, and, and who's going to win that battle. And it just felt like uh, Minnesota getting the early goal and then not being able to really build from that moment on. Um, it, it was a bit of a gut punch. But this this team has a lot to be excited about. And I know we're early on and, and there's a lot of guys that aren't in yet. And there's new faces and there's absences, which we're going to talk about. Mm -hmm. And what does that mean for the team, meaning players that have gone yep. on and moved elsewhere? Um, but for the most part, the core group of this of this team and, and seeing what they can do from an attacking perspective is the biggest question mark for me. So the expectation can't just be to get to the postseason again. It's got to get back to that Western Conference final. The, the trick is, is everybody in the Western Conference is getting better. Sure. Everybody's signing <laughs> players, moving players. I love watching the interleague moves. Mm -hmm. I think that's been fun to see, the, the quality um, that people see within the league to – to make moves um, and the gam and the tam that's flying around everywhere. So um, I think it's, it's all gam now, actually. Is it? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, they, they made the switch. It, so, yes, yeah. yes. You made the switch. Good. One less acronym right, I have right. to try to remember what it, mean, <laughs> what it means and what you can do with right. it. But um, I agree with Cal. It's been a good first week of training. I mean, the fact that it's only been one week, but I do think that they looked good. They looked fit. Um, and, and where you want them to be when they're coming in the first week of, of preseason, knowing that they took their offseason seriously. And they all have different plans, different schedules, different loads of what they need to do, the beauty of science and mm -hmm. technology. And uh, it, it should be good. And they look excited to be back. I love when Will talked about culture, setting the tone and the culture right from the first week. And I think they're they're starting to do that. Yeah, Will definitely did that uh, in the beep test, which we watched, because he's, he's <laughs> yes. one of the old hands and he won it. Uh, I like Cal exciting, calls it so. the bleep test. <laughs> Because I feel, like, say, yeah. I, I feel like you, that's, that's, 
it's a, a slip of the tongue because like that's how people feel about it. You know? Like Yeah. I mean the beep test, the bleep test, like that's what they're all thinking while they're doing it. Like, screw this test. Right, right. It's <laughs> it's pretty it brutal. I was it was it was exciting to get to see it for the first time. If people don't know, they're sort of you basically have to the width of the soccer field, you 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 have to go at a certain pace. Pace yourself out to run through these areas, uh, you know, start the middle of the field, the other end, and then back, basically. And it sort of keeps shifting and speeding up. And people start dropping off eventually as it gets faster and faster, and they can't make it through those zones. So at the end, I believe it was Justin McMaster and and Will Trapp, and, and, and Will beat him out in the end. So congrats to Will Trapp. Good job doing it for the older guys. I mean, he's not that old. But, no, but for athlete years, it's like sure. dog years. You yeah, pile yeah, yeah. on like seven for every one. Yeah, you know? so yeah. I mean, good kudos on him to to be that leader and make sure he got it done. Yeah, the only, the thing about you know just to touch again on last season, you know, I think if if people were following the team last year, it was a very odd year. I mean, we've had a couple odd years in sports, obviously <laughs> in life to say to say the least, amongst other things that have been odd. But um, you know, losing those those first four games up front last year, I think you can't underestimate. Not, I mean, I think the whole season we were trying to figure out what is the effect of that. I think looking at it now, you're just like, it just made everything weird because the team obviously struggled at times to score. Um, we know they scored, you know, some of the fewest goals for a team that made the playoffs. Never had sort of the number nine who stepped in and sort of delivered those goals. Um, despite that, aside from those first four losses, their their points per game was up there with Seattle or any of those other teams that were near the top of the Western Conference. So it's almost like you got to throw some of that stuff out, I think, and just sort of say, we're starting a new season again. We're bringing back some really important pieces like Reynoso and, and other things are changing, but guys are going to step up and we'll just have to see what happens with it with it this season. Let's let's hear from uh, Adrian Heath. Uh, I believe, believe this is Cal talking to Adrian. Uh, and then we'll, uh, we'll talk a little bit about what the gaffer had to say here. Uh, Guff, you've now had a, a few more days to assess your squad. What have you made of the, the previous couple of days? Well, you've obviously... All the day to their off-season program very well. The lads have come back in really good shape. Been really impressed with the, the standard that we've we've shown. But more importantly, the lads look really sharp. Considering we've had what four or five days um, so far, no injuries. So that's always good because you always worry about that in pre-season. But no, when I when I think of how we've come back in previous years, I'm really really pleased. First day back for Emmanuel Reynoso. How did he fare today? As always, super talented and uh, obviously got to get him up to speed. He's um, probably a little, maybe a week, 10 days behind the rest of the group in terms of fitness, but we'll get there. But in terms of his qualities, like, that's Mr. Beat for sure. In terms of other individuals, it looks as though Abu Ladi has come back in really, really sharp form. He must be delighted and seems as though you knew exactly what you were doing in terms of bringing him back. Well, I, I you, you know, Cal, I've got an enormous amount of faith in his ability sometimes I always say to him I, I think I have more faith in his ability than he has in himself if we can keep him healthy we know we're going to get a, a, a player who can play and score goals in this league and um, you know one or two people raised a few eyebrows but I, I did say the risk reward for me is for you know the ceiling is up there for him comes back he's really really sharp in training you know scoring a lot of goals looks confident so delighted to have him back for sure how much are you looking forward to now getting down to Florida over the next couple of days well, yeah, as much as this is a great facility for us to work in, you know, it'd be nice to get outside on the grass and, you know, get get some more now football playing. This has been more generic in terms of fitness, but we start to bed down a few ideas what we've, we're going to try and implement moving forward. 
I would like to go down to Florida right now. So <laughs> I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm down with that. We're, uh, we're going to get into uh, Abu a little bit specifically. We're going to hear from him as well. Um, you know, he's one of the changes to the, the, the roster this season. Uh, I did want to get your guys' sort of temperature on, on sort of the, some of the departures. Uh, Ozzy Alonso going to Atlanta, Ethan Finlay to Austin, uh, Jan Gregush to San Jose. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Um, Cal, you know, obviously, this, you know, those guys were, were vets. Um, leaders at different times, especially obviously Ozzy, but I think that anybody who knows Ethan Finley knows he's been a leader in the in the locker room as well. Um, is it the right time to move on from those guys? I mean, there is eventually a point at which you say, you know, you've given us a lot of things, but we need to keep going, and another team will pick them up and, and use them in a different way. What do you think about the timing for those guys uh, heading out? I think at some stage as a football club, you have to ask yourself at what stage do you outgrow certain individuals? Uh, and I think that was the case for one or two of these individuals. Um, Ethan Finlay is a, a tremendous pickup for Austin FC. With the way that they play, direct, he will absolutely stretch back lines. We, we've seen him be so successful um, in those regards over the course of the last few years here. But I think the emergence of Nico Hansen over the, the last season and various other options as well, I, I know they like Justin McMaster, I, I think it made somebody like Ethan Fenley a little more expendable. Uh, and I say that with all due respect because... For me, if you can have a player like Ethan Fenley on the roster, you do it. But we have to remember as well, this is the one thing that we we always have to remember in Major League Soccer. We are under a salary cap. And and if there was no salary cap, Ethan Fenley would would be a a Minnesota United player. Right. But you have to, it's almost like a footballing jigsaw. You have to fit certain things into certain places. And I just think Ethan Fenley was was perhaps um, somebody who, who suffered because of the salary cap. And... The same could probably be said about Ozzy Alonso and Jan Gregush as well. Um, you know, I know interest was high in, in Gregush from uh, several suitors abroad. Um, that the club, uh, I think, were, were hoping that that they could try and bring him back on a deal that would suit them. Um, it, it didn't work, and I think Jan Gregush wanted to be guaranteed first team football, which I think he he probably mm-hmm. will get a lot more opportunity at San Jose than he would here. Um, the, the one which is a bit of a head scratcher for me is Ozzy Alonso because I, I thought he was such a a wonderful footballer. Um, he'll be great for Atlanta, and, and they're bringing in a lot of younger players this year from South America that he will absolutely help um, develop as, as players, but also as human beings as well in, in that market. And um, it was a shame. I, I really thought there was there was every piece of evidence there to suggest that Ozzy Alonso was worthy of another one-year deal. And I know a one-year deal was was offered to him. Um, but I, And look, we, we don't know the intricacies of that deal. But clearly, Alonso felt as though he would be better suited elsewhere Mm -hmm. it's a real loss in this locker room like I can't imagine the amount of rip-roaring conversations and influential speeches that someone like Ozzy Alonso has given Um, but now what's interesting is who is going to step up and replace that there's an abundance of leaders on this team but losing somebody like Ozzy Alonso I think especially after given his performances in the final third of last season I thought he he was back to the Aussie Alonso that we had seen years and years ago for the Sounders I thought Mm -hmm. he was absolutely phenomenal so it was disappointing to lose him but in the same vein Minnesota United I I would argue are quite comfortable losing someone like him because they know they have the players to step in Mm -hmm. Hassani Dotson has shown really well so far in preseason Will Trapp is a league veteran who is wonderful and and Winning the, the beep test just yeah, yeah. proves exactly how, how good he is in terms of leadership and athleticism and, and, and abundance of other things. So it's a shame. 
Um, but I think the team are prepared to move forward. They, they, they've got several things up their sleeve for sure. Well, and you also hope that, you know, the influence that Ozzy already had on the guys who were here, on a guy like Hassani, on, on, on those guys who were coming up, you want to see that then take uh, to sort of bloom and, and, and flower. And it's sort of in some ways it, it, it doesn't so long as that person is still there to a certain extent, you know, like, and then that's, it's just, you know, it's time. Sometimes I think it's also that, you know, after a player's tenure at a, at a team goes a certain distance, it's just time for new stuff. You know, it's just time to move on and try different things. And they get different things out of different players in different markets and with different teams. And, uh, and again, it's, you know, like Ethan, Ethan Finlay, Ozzy Alonso, they're moving into different parts of their career. There's also this thing that as a player gets older, in some ways, those decisions become uh, both simpler and more complicated, more complicated because a lot of them have families. They have uh, wives, children, partners, significant others, whatever, or what, what have you. They have to make decisions for a lot more people about where they are and where they're going. And in some ways, that's more complex than when you're younger. But it's also simpler if, you're, if your thing is, I want some playing time, that I know that that's what I want to get. You're not necessarily looking to work your way into a rotation. You're looking for uh, to get a response to what you want to do right now. So, I mean, what do you think about that perspective in terms of just like at, at eventually, eventually there's a point where a player moves on because you can't recapture something that happened when they first got there. You just, it's, you yep. got to try new things. And I, and I don't know any intricacies of any of the conversations that any of those players had with the coaching staff or with the, the front office or anybody. But I do know that also as their career goes on, they have more and more relationships. And Gonzalo Pineda mm -hmm. being at Atlanta is right. a massive one for Ozzy Alonso. Josh Wolf being at Austin is a massive one for Ethan Finley, having spent time you know, under him with Columbus crew and, 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 and that staff. So I do think that they may have already had their minds made up regardless of what the club was offering sure. them, because maybe this was just their time to make a new choice and a new decision, what was best for their playing career. And also based on relationships they had with, with other people. So mm -hmm. I have no clue what was offered. I have no idea what um, the conversations were, but those are two players that also have earned the right to choose where they want to go at this point in their career because sure. of what they've done for the sport and every club they've been on. Yeah. Um, and Ozzy Alonso, I think, is just a big miss for me, not just leadership, and I understand what you're saying, that the, the qualities that he has have to rub off on players, but on a daily basis, this guy is just a winner. Yeah, like that is sure. all he knows is winning. I mean, this guy who's made it to a postseason every single year, <laughs> regardless of where he's been. It's only been Seattle and Minnesota thus far, but I think that that in and of itself is just a an aura that takes over a group and is present on the pitch, on the sideline, whether he's hurt, whether he's not. Um, and that's what you'll miss a little bit with Ozzy Alonso amongst all the other things who clearly found the fountain of youth last year because yeah. he was phenomenal. And I think that was Sasani's spot to have mm -hmm. and to hold. And it, and Ozzy was too good to take him out several times, and, and Hassani had some injuries. So mm -hmm. um, this is Hassani's chance. This is truly his chance to step into that spot if he can do it and, and be one of those central midfield players that can leave his mark on this game and this team. Yeah, let's uh, let's hear from from Abu Don Ladi, who is returning to the team now, and we'll talk a little bit about uh, some of the new guys coming in. Uh, but let's hear from Abu first, who is, if, if people don't remember, he was the first ever MLS Super Draft pick for Minnesota United, number one pick back in 2017. Uh, had a great rookie year. I mean, scored uh, some bangers before that was even a trademark thing of Hassani Dotson. He had some some bangers in his in his first season, and then you know, has struggled with with injury at different times. Was was eventually picked up uh, in the expansion draft by Nashville uh, and played there. So let's let's hear from Abu, newly returned to the team, and then uh, we'll talk a little bit about the, some new acquisitions. How have you enjoyed the last couple of days in preseason? I think it's been good. You know, you never, you know, it's been cold. 
still getting used to it. You know, I feel like uh, in Nashville, we played on grass every day, so I'm getting used to the turf. Uh, and, you know, just, you know, taking a tra one training at a time, you know, uh, getting to know the guys, getting to know what their strengths are, uh, playing to their strength, getting to know who, like, who is who, and, you know, and that happens when you play with them, game after game, practice after practice, and just being around them and stuff. So I think so far it's been great. Everybody has been so welcoming. Uh, and I think for me, that's been very, very helpful. Uh, but yeah, I'm very happy to be back. And just finally, Abu, what, what are your personal goals for this preseason heading into the 2022 campaign? You know, just, you know, trying to stay, stay fit, you know, get ready. Um, and, you know, just mostly just building a connection with my teammates and, uh, you know, see what works and uh, uh, what doesn't work and try and build on that. Um, also, number one thing is just knowing what, how Adrian want to play and trying to buy into that because every team that you go is different. Nashville was different. Nashville play a different system than Adrian does. So just trying to move from that to that and just trying to, you know, buy into that system, you know. So that was one of the main attractions, again, was working under Adrian Heath once more. Yeah, of course. Uh, and I feel like, you know, I feel like, uh, I mean, being here the last three years, I feel like I, I have, you know, I still have to feel like, I don't know what the word is, unfinished business, I think it is, you know, to be able to uh, uh, show, you know, help the team the best I can. Uh, and I mean, I'm not the same player I left, you know, yeah, human beings change. Change as a person, I've changed as a player, and you know, and I hope like whatever uh, player or human being I become now, I'm able to bring something to help the team this year. Because at the end of the day, it's just about winning silverware, right? And uh, um, just me, just being here and being available to help the team as much as I can, you know. Um, I should say, Abu always been one of the most kind generous, like beautiful souls, I think, you know, like just from the, the start was always uh, a great guy to talk to. Not always the most comfortable with talking. It's, uh, you know, as far as talking to media and things like that, he often didn't want that his, his rookie season, but, um, but a, a great guy also never got acclimated to the cold. He was always that guy who was out on the pitch with a, a knit hat and um, he's not alone. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of guys on, on every team. I think that don't quite, yeah. I mean, I've lived here my whole life and it's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Kendra, as far as uh, Abu coming back, you know, talking about uh, feeling like he, he feels like he's figured some stuff out with his health, with taking care of his body, um, which has been sort of a persistent issue with him. And obviously this question of sort of unfinished business, he came in with with a lot of potential that was never sort of fully realized. Um, you know, what do you think about this, this, this project to sort of bring him back into the fold? What are the expectations for him this season? Well, first and foremost, I think, and Cal, you'd probably agree with me, that first day that we were at training and when he approached us after training and just to chat, you know, just to introduce himself again and ask us how we were, what's been going on, how we've been doing, that to me was a different level of maturity from Abu. And not that he was immature before, but he was shy. He was quiet. I mean, he, was, he would always do the interview when you asked him to do it. But, you know, he wasn't one that was going to approach you. That was more like a veteran type thing. That's something Will mm -hmm. Trapp would do. That's mm -hmm. something that, hey, guys, how was your offseason? Chase Gasper now, you know, would do that. That's kind of the maturity level of a player like that. So Abu, I think his 
that that to me was really impressive. His comfort level, he just seems comfortable in his own skin as a human being, as he said, not just as a footballer. And it's early, but just watching him at training, um, I'm excited for him. Of course, I'm excited for what he can bring to the club and what value he can add and, and how he's going to approach the 2022 season compared to 2017 mm-hmm. and with he was with, when he was with Minnesota United prior. But first overall pick had, you know, this injury mantra coming out of UCLA. So he was already kind of labeled that way, struggled a bit when he got here with the injuries, with the soft tissue. And he said it in, in one of the questions Kyle said, he he reads it, he hears it, he knows what people said about him. He knows that he's got to prove it. But mentally and emotionally, I think that that was a lot for him to take on as a young player, as the rookie, and then the number one overall pick. And you come up with some of these flashy goals, but you're not consistent. There's a frustration level there within himself, maybe within the coaching staff and, and within the fan base because you have these expectations. And it was a tough year. 2017 was tough for everybody. Sure. So I'm excited about him. I'm, I, I like what I see as a person as much as a player in this first week. And I think so much is just going to – we'll see how the season goes. But he's excited to work with Adrian Heath and learn from him once again and use him as a mentor in his movements. And um, how he takes in that information now might be completely different than how he was taking it in mm-hmm. the first couple of years when he was kind of struggling a little bit with injuries and just confidence, 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 confidence. And I think it's going to be a, a real treat to see if he can stay healthy. Yeah, Adrian uh, sort of referenced in that that earlier question about the, sort of the risk reward with with Abu and that you know it's it's not uh, he's not bringing he's not being brought in as a DP or anything like that. It's like this is a second shot. He's going to have to prove himself. Uh, for you, Cal, like you know, does he have to become the first choice? You know, number nine on the team, or like what is what do you think they're looking for from him this season? Uh, just to give him the chance and see what happens. I think one of the most interesting things that was said by Abu Dunladi there was that he thinks he comes back here with unfinished business. Um, so I would I would argue that he's come back perhaps as motivated as ever before. Um, and I would argue that he's probably got a little bit of a point to prove. Uh, and maybe that's a little bit harsh for, for someone coming in at the age of 25, 26. But um, he came in with a big reputation when he was drafted as high as he was. Adrian Heath was full of admiration for him prior to losing him in the expansion draft. And, and, and that's another thing we have to remember as well is it's not like this staff traded him away. Right. At that yeah. point in time, you could only protect so many players and Nashville stole Abu Dunladi away from Minnesota United. And I know the coaching staff were devastated because they really felt as though they were getting somewhere with him. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think it's going to be really interesting with Abu Dunladi. The good thing is, is that we know he's versatile. He can play as a, a central striker. He can play out wide if needed. Um, he could even play off the centre forward, in my opinion. I think he's, his level mm-hmm. has matured in terms of his, his footballing IQ has, has matured a little more uh, over the last couple of years. So um, I, I'm excited to see him. I, I think it's going to be very difficult for him to start consistently. But having said that, this first week of preseason, you'd be... <laughs> It's very difficult to leave him out of this eleven at the moment, you know. And look, we know that Atakan Unu is has yet to come back. Um, I think he landed in the country today. Uh, Bongokuni Longwane is is set to arrive uh, in Florida in the preseason camp, um, and there's the suggestions of one or two other centre forwards arriving as well. So um, I think um, competition is never a bad thing. Right. And I think the main difference now from Abu Dunladi. Um, in the first three years to now is that I think in the first three years he may very well have whimpered amongst that competition 
Now, I think he, as Kendra has alluded to, is a more mature individual, is a more mature footballer. I think now he knows there's competition there, and I actually think he would welcome that competition. Mm-hmm. Uh, the important nugget there for you uh, South African fans, I know we have quite a few, is that the expectation <laughs> is Bongo Kule Hongane is going to join the team in uh, Florida. So that's the, that's the highlight for them. Speaking of uh, some of those new acquisitions, I'm going to lean on you, Cal, to uh, give me some information on uh, draft picks, on, on uh, Bongo Kule, and other people whose names I might not be up on pronouncing, <laughs> pronouncing quite yet. And I know Cal Tani? is. So. No, Tan. Sinisa? Uh, Tani? Okay, I just... <laughs> which which one do you want to go to? Go. Let's, let's, let's start with Bongo Kule, because we just already talked about him. Bongo Kule. Okay. Hlongwane. 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 Um, and, and look, we've yet to speak to the player as well. I want to speak to him so he can tell us how to say it. But, but <laughs> I've watched tape and seen other... I've spoken to one or two uh, South Africans, and, and that's the okay. pronunciation to my knowledge. Bongo Kule. Hlongwane. Uh, look, it's actually not that difficult. It's not so bad. I, I'll still struggle with case? it, but you made it sound <laughs> but easy. But isn't this the case that we always mm. say about people, right? You look at a name and it looks rather intimidating, but actually it's not. And, and Longwane is absolutely one of those I stay away from names. anything Finnish. <laughs> I, I actually, you know, sneakily I would say that, that Longwane is easier to pronounce than, like, to get, than to get Gregush actually correct. Gregus or Raitala, like, because of the yeah, emphasis yeah. on... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, and it was always like, I feel like Jan's name was really like... Gregish. Like, but I would, that's so much, such a foreign pronunciation. You would just mm. sort of end up calling him Gregish because it was easier. Whereas sure. Longwane, I Well, think. you know how I stand with like... You know what, though? The right. other problem is, yeah. is, we'll just go off on a quick tangent here on pronunciations, is uh, <laughs> you can't both write it down phonetically and agree. Right. You know, and I've learned that a long time ago doing games because how Cal writes it down phonetically for him to be able to say it and me write it phonetically, we could end up saying it the same, right. but how we see it written <laughs> is not. I mean, I've gone back and forth and round and round in circles with announcers before because you just have to agree that you're going to say it the same, but how yes. you write it is not the same. Standards so, of writing and pronunciation. That's like the, yeah. no, no, no offense to anybody who writes anything in our game notes, our media guides, but phonetic pronunciations are really silly because until you hear it, sure. how sure. you see it on a page, like, oh yeah, that's totally how I would write it. And then yeah. somebody else writes it different. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. No, absolutely. <laughs> I agree. But, but look, I mean, the, the, the good thing that we've uncovered here is that Klongwane is not that difficult to say. Right. Well, the other great thing is, is that you prefer nicknames. <laughs> <laughs> Little secret, I, I despise <laughs> nicknames. I really don't do not. I think I might have said this to you actually yeah. before, Steve. Do not, don't even you dare think about calling him Chicharito to me because it's just not his name. <laughs> anyway, that's a different uh, conversation. Different for a conversation. Different time. Yeah. Tell us um, about Klongwane. Look, Klongwane um, is, look, he's a South African international. He is an international footballer, and I think the fee was around about half a million dollars that was paid for him. Um, that may very well go go up, um, given certain incentives, perhaps. But look, this is the one thing that I want to to identify now. He he is a, a player that is going to come in and instantly challenge for first team minutes. This is not somebody who is going to be a regular for MNUFC two or something along those lines. He's an international footballer, and he's coming in to play first team football. He's big. He's quick. I was surprised how quick he was, given um, the tall nature of the individual. Um, but he's he's got a really sharp eye in front of goal. His footballing IQ is really good off the ball, not just on the ball, but off the ball. I think he's great when he plays off the shoulder. Mm. Um, I think he's going to be a real threat this year, Steve. But as I said earlier on, the thing that's quite intriguing moving into this season is that not only have we got Klongwane 
and Dunladi and Unu and potentially one or two others coming in. Um, th- this is a, a, a really strong attacking depth. And, and we're, we've not even spoken about Tali uh, Oluwase either as well, you know, who is similar in the sense to uh, Longwane in the, in the fact that he's quick, um, long legs that allow him to make up ground really, really quickly as well. Um, he's got an eye for goal. Uh, I think um, Adrian Heath compared him to Didier Drogba, which I think is a little far fetched. But we'll, Adrian loves to throw near, out the occasional like just. If, if, you know, if he's anywhere near Didier Drogba, yeah, right. then we, we have got ourselves a player. So yeah. uh, Oluwase is is somebody who um, I think after the injury last year, and it was a bad injury from from what we've been told um, last season. He didn't play much college soccer at all. Um, I think he, much like Justin McMaster, probably comes in wanting to prove a point again. Sure. Um, I don't think it's bad ever for a footballer or any professional athlete for that matter to, to come into a season with a little bit of a chip on their shoulder and the one thing we can absolutely be certain of this year is that the front line there is so much competition and competition is never a bad thing yeah Oluwashi. Oluwashi, yes Oluwashi. tani Oluwashi. tani yes okay <laughs> see the phonetic that, pronunciation Kendra? is a tan tani but, but, the way, but the way Cal says tan and the way I say tan don't sound the same because well, of his right. accent. Well, because so of you, just... the weird way you guys use your A's, <laughs> yeah. tan. Um, but, uh, well, see, and that's the thing <laughs> also, is that you have a British accent, which is yes. a whole other element. Like, right. the way yes. a British person right. might pronounce I mean, you're like, oh, Cal, how would you pronounce aluminum? And you... <laughs> The correct way. Yeah, right. Aluminium, yeah. Oh, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> There's other things that would go wrong. So, you know, okay, we talked about Tani Oluwashi. That was pretty good, right? Yeah, well done, yeah. All right, yeah. thanks. All right, thanks. Uh, any, any other people you're interested in seeing, either Kendra or Cal... It's hard to keep track of who is here and who has been, who is actually done and who's all that. I will say this, and this isn't necessarily a new player, but when you see some of these guys come back in, like Nabi Kibunguchi or, you know, um, Callum Montgomery, who's, you know, not, wasn't a rookie last year. He came from Dallas, but hadn't seen him with the first team. I'm excited to see what some of these guys can do with MNUFC too. And I know we're going to talk about that, but Mm -hmm. seeing them back in the first team training, um, they, they look sharp. They look like they've had a year under their belt. They're not fresh out of college anymore. And I just, think that um that that makes a big difference in the maturity level and and what they're willing to do and i think adrian said it today to the press like look these guys and, and a guy like nabi especially like they understand this is your livelihood now this isn't college soccer you've had a year in, in professional soccer now you're coming back in you're trying to get some minutes in there and, and where do they fit into the puzzle and again just quality depth and possibly getting minutes with a second team with the reserve team whatever we're calling it now i know that the league wants very specifics on how we label this team but sure. and then ufc2 where um guys that are coming back from injury guys that are training with the first team but going and playing with the the res- however that all shapes mm-hmm. out i think i'm excited to see and and a player like that those two i've been impressed with since uh training camp has started again yeah for sure and i also i, le- I want good things for nabi because i know his nickname is nabeast which i think is uh, <laughs> just a fantastic nickname i know maybe you're out, out on nicknames but that's a great nickname no look that's lovely i'll just never say it on the air but quickly whilst we're talking about kibin gucci we, we noticed mm-hmm. today actually and over the the last couple of days there have been several drills um, where it's been building from the deep line six, playing it to the overlapping fullback and indeed the wider players that are going to tuck in. I, I can't imagine the system would change too much with Adrian sure. Heath. But um, Kibinguchi was, was used as a right back. And I thought to myself when I first saw this, I think it was on Tuesday or Wednesday, I thought to myself, maybe he's just in there as an extra body. Because Roman's out. Metinier is obviously sure. still with Injury. a hamstring issue. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought to myself, well, he's probably just there as an extra body, no problem. Um and then he actually performed quite well, and he was crossing some really lovely balls in. Um, and his 
again, I've already mentioned this with uh, Longwane, but the long legs. Yeah. Um, Kibanguchi is is six foot four, I think, or something along those lines. Because of the length of his legs, he can make rather powerful strides. He can cover a lot of ground, whether that's offensively or defensively. And I just wondered. I thought to myself, I wonder because he's actually done quite well in this crossing drill. Would they consider using him as a right back? And Adrian Heath actually said to the press today that that's something they're going to try in the preseason. So um, I'm interested to see how that goes. Yeah, watching him, watching the B do the, the the beep test. He was also hung in there a long time. He's very fast, like you said. He's he's tall. He's also high waisted. <laughs> like I think he has particularly long legs. You know, like there's there's an interest. I can't remember where I read it. They're talking about sort of the opposite thing for for Messi, which is actually like he has um, a, a genetic disorder where his legs are very short. Like he has a long torso, which has made it easy for Messi to. Uh, it makes it easy for him to navigate tight spaces sure. because you know he's he's moving his legs less but for a, a right back or somebody like that he's got those long strides like Nabi really has long legs so uh yeah it'll be interesting to see I mean there's be there'll be a lot of fun stuff to look at at the preseason we'll talk about the preseason schedule a little bit coming up let's shift now to talk about uh veterans a little bit some of these returning vets uh Will Trapp maybe chief among them he's sort of been the um, the elder statesman, I want to say, of, of of training camp so far. You know, we're still waiting on uh, Michael Boxall and some of those other guys to come back. But uh, again, Will Trap, beef test champion. Uh, let's let's hear from him. In terms of of you yourself, how much are you looking forward to this preseason trip in Florida? For me, I think it's it's very exciting because um, it's a a year under my belt last year where now I know a lot of the group. I know the staff. I know how we work through things and, and then now you can step into it in a way which feels um, more settled, more stable. Um, and then we can build towards something like I just said. And, and for me, that's really exciting. What have you seen from the group so far? I know it's early days, but what, what have been the first impressions? I think there's a lightness to this group. It, it feels very ambitious and hungry, but there's a, um, an eagerness, an eagerness to get back, an eagerness to, to train with each other, to, to build relationships back. Um, whereas I think anytime you do well in the playoffs, like the year prior, there's kind of this weird vibe of like, well, do we keep doing what we're doing or do we do something new? And now we know we need to do something different. We know we need to change. And, and I think that gives guys energy. That will, man, very perceptive. I like that, that idea, you know, I think that, and you know, whether that, that sort of swoon to start last season was a result in some sense of, of sort of the hangover of expectations coming from playoff success or whatever. You know, there's sort of that mix of you got to play feisty, you got to play with a chip on your shoulder, you want something to prove, but you also need to sort of slough off those expectations at some point and just sort of play the game that's in front of you, right? And that's, that's, that's why they're all here. So hearing that there's sort of some of that, it's tough to find that right balance of, of sort of seriousness and lightness but you know, it seems like Will is is in on on some of that lightness and that feeling of like we gotta we gotta figure out who we are and and not just try to live up to something we 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 had done previously. Well, and I think you it's it is truly take what's in front of you because each game can be present something different. As much as you have a style and a philosophy, and Adrian Heath has a clear way that he likes to play and utilize players in a system, you still have to take what is in front of you in that moment in that game. And and Will understanding like, look, they made it to the Western Conference Final the year prior. But so last year you go in thinking, do we, how much do we change? What do we do new? And then not to say that that's the reason you start out 0-4. I mean, who knows? You know, right. it's just wonky the way that season started. But this year losing to Portland the way that they did and knowing that you have a big chunk of the guys returning that will be impactful on this group, thinking we need to find a new way to do some things. That doesn't mean change the system, change the style, but maybe the way to utilize it or just the expectation for the group amongst the players individually and as a whole on what they need to do 
do on a daily basis to get the job done. Will had another quote where he talked about culture and just establishing it right from the get go. This this is what these mm -hmm. moments are about is establishing the culture. And what I like about Will as a leader on this team is he is the guy on the field. And I don't know if this is just his personality, if it's a respect factor that you, you watch during breaks in between drills that he is the one communicating with Adrian on the field on what he is seeing. He's not going to Adrian every time and going, what do you want me to do, coach? He's saying, look, sure. this isn't working. This is, you know, they're sharing of ideas. And I think Adrian respects Will. Will respects Adrian. There's a mutual respect that they want the best for this group. They, they both want to achieve the same thing and they respect each other's opinions enough and ideas and experience that they are leaning on each other and, and willing to take it in, mm -hmm. you know? And I think that's, that's what I see from Will at training in particular and he sets a bar very, very high, has a l different leadership style than an Ethan Finley did. Ethan's a little more vocal. Will is vocal, but in a different manner. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that there's just, he's just a smart guy. He's a, he seems yep. like a good teammate. He's a smart guy. He's a great footballer. And again, you know what you're going to get from him on a daily basis on the pitch. And that's what, that his, his teammates appreciate that from him. Yeah. So as far as some of the, these, you know, it's, it's crazy to think that guys like Hassani and, and Chase are now verging into like veteran territory, given that, you know, they, they I still think of them as rookies in a lot mm -hmm. of ways as like the young guys and they're still young. Uh, as far as guys who are returning sort of like that, I think Adriano Nu is another person I think of, um, Robin Lud, some of these guys who are coming back who have had a couple years experience now in the league. Uh, I guess Adrian is, uh, it's only a second season, but I mean, I think Adrian obviously has a lot to prove uh, this season. Cal, what do you think Adrian has to prove? And are there any other guys who you think are really returning guys who are going to be trying to make their name in a new way this season? Adrian Unu clearly is somebody who I think um, needs to, to find his identity in this team. Uh, is that at centre forward? Is that as a supporting wide player? Is that as a supporting striker? Um, the good thing is about having somebody like Adrian Unu is that you you know you've got plenty of options and it gives you those options to play in different ways uh, if you need to, particularly on the road in this league when it's, it's never easy to play. Um, there's one or two that I'm really interested to see over the course of, of the, the coming couple of weeks um, in, in pre-season. I think uh, it's a big year for Romain Metanier. Um, he'll be 32. Um, is he going to be as, as aggressive um, in the wide areas? Is he going to be as energetic up and down? Um, I, I would assume so. But at the age of 32, sometimes you see in this sport, that's when your game starts to change a little bit and you perhaps have to adapt a little bit because your legs aren't as... Um, as, as good and, and aggressive as, as they have been over the years. Um, the, the, the thing that I'm interested to see is the goalkeeping situation. Mm. Because at the moment, and we've already dis discussed that the fact that Minnesota are in a salary cap league. Um, what did they do with the goalkeeping situation? Because I, I know Adrian Heath has, has said over the course of the last couple of weeks that he's perfectly happy with, with both goalkeepers, and, and that's great. Why wouldn't you be? But in the salary cap league... I don't see how you can keep both goalkeepers around. I really don't. And I can't answer right now which one is going to be viewed as number one moving forward, which one's going to be viewed as number two, right? I think a lot of that, again, depends on, on pre-season. Mm -hmm. um, we all know Tyler Miller uh, was good last year. Um, I, I wonder, is their thought process that maybe Dane St. Clair has got more about him in terms of uh, over the next four or five years? I don't know. Um, that That's a really interesting key area for me moving forward is what happens in the goalkeeping area for Minnesota United. Yeah. Quick question yeah. to both of you on Adrian Anu. 
And we, I think we all can agree that they didn't get what they thought they were going to get from him last year. And I think some of that is, uh, some of it gets to be a detriment to the player when we have these tags like DPs, right? Mm -hmm. Because even Robin Lud, when he came in, in the middle of the season, I know he'd come off a holiday and he was getting paid a lot of money, but he wasn't a DP. And do you remember the disappointment yeah. from like the fan base and everybody yep. about the production? And then look at coming in where there's more of a comfortability. And I heard Adrian, he say that to the media today. He kind of compared him to a Robin in the sense that now that he's in his second year, mm -hmm. Will he be more comfortable with the league and with the role? I think a lot of it depends, like you said, Cal, on where he plays, how he plays him, what he's asked to do in the system with the expectation. But do you think there's just an element of now that he's coming back, he's comfortable, he knows where he is, he's been here before, he knows the league, will that change how we see him play and maybe the, the results we see from him? Yeah, I mean, I was certainly somebody who last season, I think I said it on this podcast many times, is that I sort of – foresaw something like that because Robin Lud was a guy you saw, even though he wasn't making the impact he would eventually make in his first year, you could see he was a good player. Like he had good sense. He, he brought a, a good feel to the game. It just wasn't all connecting. And I think Adrian's sort of been the same way. He hasn't looked lost. He hasn't looked out of place. He just hasn't had the production that, that you may have wanted. Again, he took a lot of shots. He didn't hit a lot of those shots. I think you saw at times later on in the season as he was, you know, playing in different formations helped him out in different ways. You know, I think sometimes the 4-3-3 helped him a little bit because he was, if he was playing in the middle of the 4-3-3, he was getting the ball a little closer to the edge of the box. And he's a little more comfortable with that than with being in the box and sort of being a poacher. But, you know, I think also, Cal, you mentioned, I think that he looked more comfortable in that role as the season went on, like being the really the number nine on the team. I don't know. I, I sort of feel like th that's what I foresee for him is that I think he's going to have a good season and pretty quickly we're going to feel like, why did we ever doubt that this was going to be the case? That's sort of my feel. I hope so. Yeah. I really do. I, I'm absolutely fine with being wrong about uh, a player that, that I, I think uh, underperformed when he came in. And look, I think he was asked to do a, a bit too much in certain areas. Um, but look, I mean, how many times did you and I say, Steve, on, on Sound of the Loons over the, the last uh, six months or so, um, I, I just wasn't convinced that he was a natural fit at centre-forward. Given right. what Adrian Heath needs from a centre-forward in this system, I thought he was much more suited playing a withdrawn role as a supporting striker. Not necessarily a 10 or a false 9 even, but a supporting striker just off of the main forward. Um, and the one time that we really saw it was, do you remember there was an away game at Houston Dynamo last year when he scored two goals in mm -hmm. that role? Mm -hmm. Now, the counter-argument there is the first goal he scored was very much in centre-forward territory. But the second goal, when he got the back-heel assist from uh, Fernando Adi, of all people, yep. that was very much <laughs> what I expect from a player like him in the role that I think he looks the most comfortable. So, look, as I said earlier on, Steve, what it does is it gives Adrian Heath plenty of options. I think Kendra's spot on there in the sense that he's unfortunate that instantly he is tagged because of the DP label, and expectation will be ripe. I think that's slightly unfair because sometimes designated players are brought in, not, not even because, uh, and they're made DPs, not even because of the salary. A lot of it is because of the transfer fee. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and I think it's unfair to, to expect. I understand, I understand expectation when, when a player is brought in as a DP. I get that. But, but let's simmer expectation, in my opinion, for individuals that are brought in and they are DPs because of the transfer fee. Right. I know you pay a certain transfer fee for a reason, but I, I, I'm interested to see what Unu does this year. It, it's a big year for him. Um, and I think if we don't see what, let's be honest, many expect, it wouldn't surprise me if uh, come season's end, he's not a Minnesota United player anymore. But look, I hope I'm wrong. I, I think... Um, the one thing he's going to get this year, if indeed he does start at that centre-forward role, 
is if Emmanuel Reynoso remains fit, no reason why he wouldn't, and uh, indeed Robin Lourdes and, and Franco Fragapani, we're assuming those are the three that will play behind the forwards. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no reason uh, to think he can't get 10 to 12 goals a year um, with what we've seen. And I know the expectation is probably higher than that, um, but I'm yet to be convinced. But but there's no reason to, to think that he can't create chances for himself. There's no reason to think he can't be in the right spots to to have an opportunity because he will get so much service just by mentioning those three players behind mm-hmm. him. Um, and then also when you bring on other players uh, like a Nico Hansen, they, they offer you so much more. Uh, Justin McMaster, um, to just a different individual to what is there at the moment. So um, I think Unu will get opportunities. The question is, can he put them away on a regular basis? Can right. he be the consistent number nine that Minnesota United desperately need? Yeah, it's certainly true that the DP label is one of those things that having, having spent a good amount of time talking to our own Logan Kunek about like how this all works with the salary and he's sort of the guy who manages all of that stuff and figures it all out. You know, we tend to think like a TAM player means this. This is the kind of player they are, the level of player they are. A DP means this. That thing is that's true for some percentage of those players who have those labels, but there's all kinds of reasons why labels are used at different times, why a DP might be bought down, why a DP can't be bought down, you know, why a guy like Robin Lloyd might be a TAM player. If you want to kill a party vibe, start trying to explain how MLS. (laughs) Let me tell you, I've killed a couple parties. Just myself. I was like, listen, let me tell you about GAM. Um, <laughs> Start trying to explain it because it's so confusing. Yes. It's that meme of that guy in the corner, like holding the, the drink and the hat and everyone's dancing. And he's, like, and he's like, they don't even know about allocation money. Like, that's totally that. So uh, let's go from DPs to sort of the other end of, of the spectrum here and talk a little bit about MNUFC too, which is a new, uh, it's the new team. It's a new, we're going to, I'm going to call it the reserve team. I'm saying yes, that. I the, know. It's, it's, it's competing in the MLS Next Pro uh, League at that level. It's essentially, um, you know, it's it's part of a bigger process, which is it's just going on, uh, you know, I think across America in a lot of ways, but also specifically something that's always been on the mind of Minnesota United as far as connecting youth soccer to the pro level in some kind of cohesive way um, for people who follow sports, you know, like other sports. You know, if you're if you're a kid who plays basketball, it's like, well, play with your high school team, play with an AAU team, go to these tournaments. You know, you get scouted by colleges. Colleges get you. If you're good, you go in the NBA draft, and that's how you get there. You know, 10, 15 years ago, if you were a good soccer player in America, like, there was not some kind of clear path, like, to – I mean, there's these schools. There are obviously colleges that produce players consistently, but it's not been the same thing. And so, you know, part of this MLS Next Pro thing is to sort of say we have academies – Academy players can, uh, you know, sort of play up into some of these, into a reserve team. Players on the reserve team can move into the first team. It's just trying to sort of like connect all those pieces together. I was at the uh, the trials for for MNUFC two. Uh, I guess it was last week, um, and it was really fun to watch. You know, like it just a lot of guys. 18 to 24, sort of in that range. Um, a lot of Division One college guys, some Division Three guys, some guys playing on club teams. Um, you know, just out there in kind of a situation where you're thrown into a team of, of a bunch of guys you don't know really well. Figure out how to play and see if you can show something that'll that'll get you know your the 
Cameron Knowles, who's the head coach of MNUFC too, to sort of like think that there's something there for you. So, um, have you, did you guys get to go and check out any of the, the, the trials at, uh, at Blaine? No, the, the trials. Yeah. Or was it the called combine. the combine? Yeah. The combine. Combine, yeah. Um, our invitations got lost in the mail, I think. <laughs> 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 no, we, we didn't get to check out the combine, but we, we've spoken to Cam Knowles a couple of times. Yeah. And uh, by the way, perfect head coach for this kind of project as well. He's had tremendous success with Portland Timbers too. Um, made the playoffs almost every season, to my knowledge, and he's very well respected at this level of football. You're and just saying that because he's a countryman of yours. Yeah, he's from New Zealand. <laughs> oh! <laughs> Shoot, that's right. I just checked that. That's right, because I was like, his accent is not quite there, and then I, that's right, because I was thinking he's he, he and Boxall are from the same country. So. Correct, yes, yes right. absolutely. I was like, oh, that's crazy. So. It's okay. Everybody well, that's foreign is from kind of the same place. That's okay. We'll have a fish fight after. Don't worry about <laughs> when it. I was, when, I was, when I was in France on my, on my honeymoon, uh, my wife and I were mistaken for New Zealanders because of the, we were speaking French. We were mistaken for New Zealanders by Australians, which to me, I was like, how do you not know? Like, we're definitely American, so. You're definitely American, yeah. I take it as a real compliment, though. Like, I'd rather be mistaken for literally, like, a Canadian or a New Zealander in, in France than an American, so. I'm going to not say anything there. Don't touch that with a temple pole. Um, Cam Knowles from New Zealand. <laughs> Kiwi. Is Kiwi Cam Knowles, as we call him. An exceptional coach. And uh, I know there was interest in him from other Major League Soccer teams uh, this offseason. I think maybe one or two of them made an approach to get him as, assistant, as an assistant coach. Uh, but he's committed to the project here. Um, I think he's a perfect head coach. And um, he's developed so many young players that have gone on to have really good MLS careers. And uh, it's exciting times for Minnesota United. I mean, look, in a perfect world, we would have had this several years ago. But we don't live in a perfect world. Sure. Far from it after 2020. <laughs> but um, this is um, this is a really good opportunity for um, Minnesota United to identify not only players that they can um, draft and, and, and put into the second team, but also to identify local talent and give them a, a, a place to play. That's always been the biggest issue with this team is, is for these younger players to have a place to play. And now they do. And I'm hoping we can see over the course of the next couple of years a couple of young players from Minnesota play a couple of years at this level and eventually sign to homegrown deals for the MLS team. I think that's the aim anyway. Yeah. Well, and it's a big deal to have players, you know, when you had young players who couldn't get minutes with the first team, mm -hmm. they're being sent all over the place and they're going to different, you know, USL teams and their systems might be completely different. You know, you might want to have them, you might send them with the idea of, I'd like to see him work on this. And the USL team is like, okay, whatever. Like, <laughs> we're going to play how we play to, to win games in the USL. This is keeping these guys close. You know, there's how many, how many young players have we seen join Minnesota United and they just not have a spot really for him? And, and some of those, obviously, I mean, obviously not everybody's going to make it, but you got to believe there's some missed opportunities there for players who went to the USL and then didn't get the minutes they wanted or, or didn't learn the system they should be learning. Having MNUFC2 in-house just provides a much a much greater opportunity for those things to pay off. Well, and I think there were more restrictions, too, on calling guys back, you yeah. know, from those USL teams when even needed for necessary reasons, whether it was, you know, guys out for COVID protocol or guys with injuries or whatever it might be, international duty, which we're going to deal with again this year. So I think the fact that they are going to be in market yeah. and they can train with the first team at times, there's more integration of the system. And I think when we talked to Cam Knowles, that was – you know, it, it felt like clearly this guy has done this before because everything he was saying, I mean, he's a, a pro's pro when it comes to what this team needs to accomplish. And I think even the clubs and the league are still trying to figure out what is this reserve league. And now it's a mandatory thing, which yeah. it wasn't for all clubs before. And I think it's good that they've made it man mandatory because some clubs may have 
continue to drag their feet more. And then there's some clubs that have had this kind of set up for years. So mm -hmm. to get everybody on the same, you know, the same page. And also, again, it's that streamlining. It's the young talent. It's just, it's more, it's going to be more fruitful for everybody involved in the league. And I think that it's going to be a plus for sure. I think Cam Knowles and everybody who's in charge of a reserve team has a tough task because I think Cal, you asked him on that call, like, are you focused on winning or are you focusing on developing? Sure. And of course he's like, well, nobody wants to lose. Huh. Absolutely. But at the same time, you also understand what your true purpose is, is really to get guys prepared for the senior team, uh, you know, the first team and what they need to do to contribute or get them back to health if they're from injury or get them game minutes if they're not getting time with the first team. So mm -hmm. there's a lot of, you know, balls in the air that they're having to juggle to make this thing successful because the players don't like losing either, but you have a very you know specific purpose in mind. But I think it's good on all fronts. It's just a lot for them to to manage. I think. Yeah, absolutely. Let's uh, let's close by touching on the preseason schedule, which has now uh, you know come out. Uh, again, it was alluded to in some of those interviews. They're headed to Orlando. That's on January twenty fourth. Going to play the Chicago Fire and and Orlando City SC. Obviously, two Eastern Conference teams that you know you, they will probably not see that much. Uh, overall, I can't remember if we're playing Chicago. For we're playing sure. Chicago at home for sure. Okay, yes. so um, you know, and then after that, headed to Portland for I don't know if it's the, still the Portland tournament or whatever they called it, but you know, it's sort of it's that been sounds, that sounds good. It's been happening there for a number of years. <laughs> I mean, the and and sort of it was on, it was off, whatever. They're going to be in Portland uh, starting February 10th to play three games. Those those opponents are still to be determined. But um, let's just touch a little bit on the preseason games because it's one of those things that. Obviously, it's always sketchy whether fans are going to get uh, to see it. You know, there's no plans to be able to do it. There's a lot of rights involved. Fans, broadcasters. Uh, yeah, right. I mean, <laughs> it's sketchy. We're gonna get to see. I'll, it. I'll tell you. I'll tell you a quick story about when I joined the club in 2017, and uh, there was a trip to Orlando, and we were trying to figure out how to stream games. And there was a game that we found out we could stream on the website via. A handheld I, phone. They were oh, just a Toronto story. They, is they were playing Toronto. <laughs> and, I watched that one. And it was like a guy on the bleachers with an yes, iPhone. Yes. And it was like <laughs> raining. And I, you know, I had been working for the club for a couple weeks and I didn't know who any of the players were. I knew Javinko was on Toronto. But I'm like looking at the screen like, You're like I, can't I see even, Ibsen. I can't tell who these people are. I don't even know our players that much at that point. And, I, and so sometimes you're better off just not seeing the preseason <laughs> games. And again, preseason is a time to experiment, you know, see different people in different positions. Nobody's going to be playing a whole game. You want to get reps for everybody. What, what are the coaches and the players getting out of preseason chemistry, consistency, things like that. But you know, what are, what are some of the other intangibles they might be seeing there, Cal? I think camaraderie as well. If there's a bunch of new players coming in, you have to get to know them, don't you? And especially when they're coming from essentially all four corners of the globe as well. So, Look, I, I think preseason is is absolutely invaluable um, for for any team in any league. It's a chance to to get to know an individual on the field and off the field. It's a chance to understand how the coach wants to play. It's a chance to see opposition as well. You know, you've mentioned Minnesota are playing Chicago Fire and Orlando City. I, I know we, we may not see them on a regular basis because Minnesota are in the Western Conference, but um, you know, Chicago Fire um, have a completely new regime at the moment under Ezra Hendrickson, mm -hmm. and uh, there's all sorts of suggestions they're going to be spending a lot of money, and they've brought in some good players as well, so uh, I think it's a good chance to see them. Um, in terms of the, the streaming stuff, look, we have no idea, do we? We have absolutely <laughs> no idea what's going on. I, I would assume the Portland Timbers I'm putting this all on Durkee. Durkee, right. you are going to be the one in the stands fault. with the phone. 
Uh, yeah, right, FaceTiming there we go. Yeah. us to yeah. watch the game. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. I, look, I would assume the Timbers tournament would, would, would be streamed somehow because I think there's um, Viking from um, uh, the Norwegian Tippelagen are, are going to be playing in, in the tournament, and I, I think it's a requirement that they've got a got a okay. stream for those fans. I think so. I don't think so that was publicly released yet. Ah, uh, well, it is now, isn't it? Now. <laughs> Find your Norwegian soccer streams. There you go. Dot com. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, for for Florida, we 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 don't know. We have no information at the moment, but it would be great going, to see them going with zero expectations and be pleasantly surprised if something is is available. Mm. I, I agree with Cal on every front and what you said as well with the chemistry and the camaraderie and I think it is a lot about just as a group that the goal would be to set the tone to set that tone the expectation and the culture for the team which Will mm -hmm. also alluded to and I think that's what Adrian Heath and company are hoping for on an individual basis I'm sure there's some who again have different things that they are trying to prove in these games and in these moments to, to force their way into either the first team or regular training sessions with the first team. I don't know who all is going to be going down there because of the international uh, duty guys still being away. So availability, you just want numbers and it's fitness. It's yeah. fitness, it's fitness, it's fitness. And you're finally getting some game action. And you're pounding on somebody else other than your own teammates. So there, there can be, and no injuries. That's the other thing. <laughs> Just nobody get injured. Adrian always those every are time all no good injuries, things. Yeah. Th those are all good things to come from, and I think they're excited about it because they know this is a couple weeks stint in a warm climate as opposed to, you know, necessarily the MLS back is, is back bubble, which was, you know, in <laughs> July, and they were down there without being able to talk to anybody for five weeks so right. or whatever it was. So I think they're excited about um, getting away and being a, in a new climate and a new atmosphere. Yeah, and I think that, you know, I remember distinctly in, in 2019, which was sort of Minnesota United's first real good season. At the end of the season, I was on a trip to um, Seattle, I think it was the last game, and interviewed a bunch of guys. Um, you know, Ethan was one of them, Boxy, I think, um, good old Vito Minone. <laughs> and to a person, they all said that that vibe started in preseason. Yep. You know, like you might not be able to put your finger on it right now, but it's kind of one of those things that if the season goes well, if it sort of comes together, you might be looking, they might be looking back at that moments, moments that are happening right now as these are the ones that laid the foundation for, for success. And that's that's got to be what you hope for, I suppose. So. And, you know, one other veteran, I, I feel like I can sort of call him that now, and we don't talk about him much because we don't really ever get to interview him, is Debassi. Yeah. And I think that, you know, he sets his tone uh, on the back line. We talk about Boxel a lot because he's the face of the back line with the interviews and whatnot. But I think you can always sense um, he's another one of those players that's going to set the tone on that back line and um, has been around now long enough in this league to understand the expectations and what needs to be done alongside of him and in, in front of him now in those holding midfield roles. Mm -hmm. um, so he's another one that I, it's been fun to see him back at, at training this week and kind of step right in where he left off last season. Yeah, Debassi, and I brought this up a couple of times last season. There's a couple interesting if you sort of dig into the stats a little bit, I think we talked about this, that he was actually number one on the team in, in, in goals added, I believe, in terms of contributing at his position last season. And he's, I mean, he was out during those first four games that the team lost in a row, and they got a lot better when he came back. So I'm just, you know, I'm just throwing that out there. <laughs> not, correlation is not causation, but but it's out there. Any other stuff you want to mention, uh, Cal, uh, players or things that we think we've, we've sort of glossed over before we head out of this? I, I think I'll just end by having a, a little bit of a tease with those watching because I'm getting texts from people and uh, uh, deals are happening. Um, oh, God. Trades and deals and all that kind of stuff uh, is I'll just let everybody happening. know I don't get any texts about any deals. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have any connections. Uh -huh. I've been getting texts. It looks like my wife needs me to pick up milk, I think, uh, on the way back from this. That's... It's about the level of text. Got I something get. from my daughter's school over here. <laughs> <laughs> Cal's the one wheeling <clears throat> on the info. So things, things hit are him happening. up on Twitter. All right, so 
Things are happening, Cal. Are Things you going to actually break All the right. news right now? I mean, you can't tease it and then not. I mean, technically, this is live to tape, so. We're gonna, I, I'm, I'm not saying a thing. Oh, okay. no, no. Gonna, we'll, we'll let people wait, <laughs> shall we? And Because uh, they're not technically done yet, these deals, so we'll, we'll wait and I'm see. A, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sign off, and then I'm going to look at your phone and see what's going on over here. <laughs> so. Put it over here. <laughs> uh, Kendra, Cal, thanks so much for joining me. This is uh, I, We should come and hang out in the locker room some other time. Yeah. Yeah. There's so. no chance we're allowed back in here. No. We've wrecked this place now. We really have. There's no way they're going to let us back in. They're going to need Sage in here after this. So. Uh, thank you, everybody out there, for joining us for the podcast. Be sure to leave us a nice review on iTunes, or at the very least, a five-star rating, and follow the team on Twitter at MNUFC. You can follow Cal at CalWilliams.com. You can follow Kendra at Kendra Sports, and you can follow me at Steve Enteris. Apologies, as always, to Richard Wagner. And remember, there's only one person in this world like you. People can like you exactly as you are. Oh,